to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Lenten Meditations on the Passion of Our Lord According to St. Matthew Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Merciful and everlasting God, you did not spare your only Son, but delivered him up for us all, to bear our sins on the cross. Grant that our hearts may be so fixed with steadfast faith in him, that we fear not the power of sin, death, and the devil. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Passion of Our Lord According to St. Matthew, chapter 27, verses 32 through 56. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests, also mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city 
and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. earthquake and a centurion's confession. Earthquakes wreak destruction. Across cultures, they are seen as visitations of divine wrath and judgment. Among those who do not believe in a God, they are signs of a natural world that has no meaning or purpose. Earthquakes can level an entire city and turn great structures into rubble. When the earth moves beneath our feet, nothing is stable 
and solid foundations turned to sand. I have never met anyone who enjoyed an earthquake. Earthquakes inspire fear because of the human suffering and loss of life that follows in their wake. When Jesus yielded up his spirit on Good Friday, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. This earthquake was unlike any earthquake that had ever happened. The earth convulsed. Rocks were split. The temple curtain was torn. Graves were broken open. And bodies of saints were raised to life again. This earthquake was unlike any other because instead of taking life, it gave life. Like a woman caught in the throes of labor, the earth writhed and quaked and gave up her dead to new life. This was not mere resuscitation. This was resurrection. But how can this be? What does it mean? Death is not a random act of nature. It is not part of some evolutionary scheme of human self-improvement. Nor is death meaningless. There is a cause of death, an ultimate cause. Death is a result of sin. Sin affects the whole of God's creation. Sin separated us from our Creator and the source of life. If there were no sin, there would be no death, no sickness, no disease, no hardship, no suffering. What happened exactly when Jesus died? Upon the cross, the creator of the universe became her redeemer. The son of the father's love died because he took the sin of the world upon himself. Jesus suffered the abandonment of being forsaken by God as the sin bearer for the very world that he himself had created, but who had rebelled against him. By his atoning death, the cause of death was taken away. The sin that rocked the creation and plunged her into bondage was propitiated, expiated, taken away. Where sin and its punishment is taken away, there is of necessity life from the dead. Death was swallowed up by Jesus' death because his death took away the cause of death. Resurrection is a result of the atoning sacrifice of Christ, our Creator, upon the cross. Reconciliation and restoration to life with God comes in no other way but through the death of His Son on our behalf. What was happening in this earthquake and in the resurrection of so many saints in Jerusalem on Good Friday? In these events, we see the power of Christ's forgiveness for all of His creation. The death of the Son of God, through whom all things were made, was so powerful in taking away the sin of the world that is the cause of death, that new life and resurrection became springing forth from the earth ahead of schedule, so to speak. Let me speak very plainly. Jesus' death upon the cross is the cause of the resurrection. That's right. Jesus' death is the cause of the resurrection. 
Sin brought death and separation from God. Therefore, the forgiveness of sins through Jesus' death upon the cross brings new life and resurrection. The women and the disciples did not see Jesus raised from the dead until the third day. But his body did not undergo the corruption of decay when he died, because the wrath of God against sin was satisfied, taken away. Though they did not see him until the third day, Scripture tells us he preached his victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil in his descent into hell. Though they did not see him until the third day, he is very much the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep because his death is the fountain and source of new life. No wonder the Apostle Paul says, if Christ is not raised, you are still in your sins. His resurrection and the resurrection of all those saints who sprang forth from their graves on Good Friday is testimony to the power of his forgiveness. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. It is why we say the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the foundation of our faith, because his resurrection means that the cross and suffering and death of Christ really did make full atonement for all our sin. Now when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the Son of God. The centurion's confession and the confession of his fellow soldiers was not merely born of the frightening phenomenon of an earthquake. The earthquake they witnessed was bound up with the very way in which Jesus died. There had been other so-called messiahs, there had been other so-called divine saviors. But this one, he was the real deal. Truly this one is the Son of God, they said. The centurion and his soldiers were there when Jesus was stripped. When they put the scarlet robe on him, and when they drove that crown of thorns into his skull, they were among the ones who bowed the knee before him, who mocked him, who spat on him, who made fun of him. They were among the ones who scourged him and beat him. They were the ones who witnessed the hatred and ridicule of his people, from criminals crucified with him to the chief priests and elders of the people. The centurion and his soldiers witnessed all of it and even participated in doling out much of what Jesus suffered. But through it all, they witnessed more than another crucifixion or another earthquake. Through it all, they witnessed the Son of the Father's love, the Creator who humbled Himself to be sin-bearer and suffering servant for all of His creation. He never fought back. He never cowered at His scourging. He never wavered in His faith. He cried out to His Father, for help. He entrusted himself to his Father. He willingly died so that sinners might live. When the centurion and his fellow soldiers witnessed was a love unlike they had seen before, a love that paid the price for sin, a love that redeemed the world of creation from eternal destruction. 
this one was the Son of God. And they were right. But the greatest testimony and confession of the truth comes from God the Father himself. From the foundation of creation to Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, to his transfiguration on the mountain, to his faithfulness unto death, the Father speaks, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. For he shares the Father's heart of self-giving, sacrificial love. He through whom all things were created has redeemed us with his blood. So the Apostle Paul testifies to these great truths in his letter to the Colossians. God the Father, he wrote, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Let us pray. O God, creator of heaven and earth, Grant that as the crucified body of your dear Son was laid in the tomb and rested on the holy Sabbath, so we may await with him the coming of the third day and rise with him to newness of life, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.